Welcome in to the Who Day Den. Back again with another episode. We are still two and one, and we are still in first place of the AFC North at the time of recording, at least, with a huge matchup coming up in week four with Jacksonville. Now, before the season, we might have looked at the week four game as important because it was a Thursday night primetime game. And that's true. Important because it's the Ring of Honor induction, the first one ever. That's also true. I think early in the season or before the season started, we would have chalked this up to say this is a easy win for us. It's Jacksonville. And I will say that I thought the same as well. However, after speaking with my guest that you'll hear from later, I am interested in the Cincinnati-Jacksonville Thursday night matchup for maybe being a bit of a closer matchup than some perhaps are anticipating. Before we get to that, some news, some updates, or maybe lack of updates is more correct to say here. Practice reports for Tuesday. T. Higgins not out there. Awuzier not out there. Suafilo not out there. And I think their status is up in the air for now. Jesse Bates wasn't out there. It's a weird week here because we got the four games, I guess really, sorry, three days off between the games, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then, of course, playing on Thursday. Usually practice reports on a normal Sunday game to Sunday game schedule. Someone's on there early in the week. You don't worry about it too much. If they're still not practicing as of Thursday or Friday, you've you've got some concerns. On a short week, it's kind of hard to tell. Can't really get a real idea on the severity of these issues just based on practice reports on a short week because the team could be being cautious with some of these guys. And instead of running them out there for practice and then a quick turnaround for the game, just letting them get a few extra days of rehab rest and then put them out there against Jacksonville. Now, if I had to make guesses, I think Jesse Bates will play. I think I would probably list Higgins as questionable. I could see that being 50-50. I like the fact that with Boyd and Chase and, of course, Mixon, we have options in the passing game that, although I love T. Higgins and what he brings to this offense, and he's a key piece, I wouldn't say without him we are doomed by any means. We've got depth there, which which helps. Awuzie has me worried. Uh, I think I said on the last episode, the, the groin being a very touchy um, muscle group. Whether that's something that lingers, I would be a little surprised if he exits a game with a groin injury on a Sunday, can't come back into the game, and he's ready to play four days later. I don't know that he'll play. Trey Waynes logged another full practice, so we are hopeful that at least he is able to be out there manning one of the outside cornerback spots. Eli Apple probably at the other for at least one more week. There's a lot of ways this game could go, honestly. There's a lot of ways this game could go. As a Bengals fan, I'm, I would be hopeful that the energy, the excitement in the city, one, we've got a 2 and one team to root for, first place. Two, coming off a big win on the road over a rival. Three, primetime game. Four, you could say Burrow-Lawrence matchup. I, I wouldn't say I'm like extremely excited to see Trevor Lawrence. It's kind of cool. 
Uh, five, maybe the most important, like I mentioned before, the uh, Ring of Honor induction. So something that Bengals fans have clamored for for years. We are starting to see some cultural changes here, I guess, within the organization. Some things they're starting to do that makes it look like at least that they are listening to fans they care about what fans want to see as well honoring some of the greats in the franchise from the past so there's a lot to look forward to this week i would like to think this this game would be an offensive explosion you know we've been disappointed through three weeks it's had ups and downs i am not thrilled with the lack of creativity zach taylor has shown us through the first three weeks with this offense, everybody can see that under center on first down, handoff to mix in uh, shotgun going to be a pass. Everybody can see that. If you're sitting on your couch, you see it. I'm sure the other coaches and staff on the opposing sidelines see it as well. It's just a little predictable and it didn't really kill us last week, but I think sooner rather than later, it would. Maybe it wouldn't even against Jacksonville. But this would be a great week to get back on track. The offense, put some things together, get some explosive plays early in the game, and really just have one of those performances we thought our offense would be capable of this year and we just haven't quite seen yet. However, the injuries are a concern, and they're not just to middle of the road players these are key contributors to our team i mentioned if t higgins is out i wouldn't consider it doom and gloom necessarily but it does impact our offense a little bit if a woozie is out that's a big deal eli apple would be out there for another week and i don't feel extremely comfortable with that even against jacksonville jacksonville's got some very competent pass catchers the former bingle great marvin jones Love Marvin Jones, having a great year so far early on in 2021. You've got LaVisca Chenault, who is dynamic. you got DJ Chark as well, who has had an up-and-down career, but when he's been on, he's he's very good. So there's some competent pass catchers that worry me a little bit. I would obviously feel much more comfortable with Awuzie and Waynes out there. So that's that's an injury to monitor. If Jesse Bates isn't out there, that's a concern. If we're without Awuzie and Jesse Bates, both of those together would be pretty detrimental to our defense as well. So they're key injuries. A lot of different ways this could go. By the time you are listening to this, maybe we have new updates. And in under 48 hours from the time of recording, the game will be uh, being played. So we'll have all of our answers, hopefully. But it's a it's a interesting week because what feels like should be an easy win. And I actually had to re-record my intro and outro after I talked with our guest because he got me rethinking um, some of the Jaguars thoughts and opinions I had on this team. There's a lot of things you can do when you don't watch a team. I don't watch Jacksonville. I don't grind their film week in and week out to prepare for playing them this week. I look at the box scores. I see what have they done? How do they rank defensively, offensively, those sorts of things. I try to look at some advanced stats, how Trevor Lawrence performs under pressure. We'll talk about that later. Um, how their defense generates pressure, things like that. But there's still numbers that you're looking at and numbers don't always tell the whole story. And so after talking with Jordan, um, I, I felt like I learned a little bit about Jacksonville and I could see this Thursday games are weird, man, that you'll have those Thursday night games where it's just a grinder and low scoring slugfest. Could this be one of those? Could be, it could be the Bengals could be 
struggling to get their minds right for this game. I mean, I would hope that's not the case, but could be coming off an emotional win on the road against Pittsburgh, short turnaround type of thing. I don't think the leaders of this team, Burrow, Boyd, Bates, those guys are going to let this team come into this game unprepared. So, I mean, I feel good about that, regardless of what you think about Zach Taylor as a coach. The leaders of this team uh, from the player side are are strong, and I feel pretty confident in them. So there's a lot to look forward to, and uh, we'll get into the guest spot here. Jordan DeLugo joined me. I'll introduce him here shortly, and we'll break down the Jacksonville Bengals matchup for week four. And today's special guest joining me to talk about the football team down in Jacksonville, Jordan DeLugo, covers the Jaguars for Generation Jag. That's ginjag.com. Very catchy name. Thank you for Jordan joining me tonight, Jordan. How are you doing on this kind of weird short week for content production, right? Lord, it's been a, it's been a week, right? You had the Jags up on the Cardinals 19-10 with 18 minutes left in the game, and they have that collapse. And then Monday you have the Jaguars trading C.J. Henderson to the Panthers, you know, 2020 ninth overall pick. You don't often see first-round picks moving on that quickly. So, yeah, it's been a week, and, and we've got Jaguars, Bengals, and less than 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate because this was a very last-minute uh, Twitter shout-out to you. Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time here. And I don't know if you noticed earlier, just a second ago, I said the football team in Jacksonville because I'm hesitating on saying the team name. And I tried to listen when you said it, but I have to start. <laughs> what is your pronunciation slash the correct pronunciation of J-A-G-U-A-R-S? Because I have a way I say it, but I'm yeah. not sure if it's right or wrong. So the correct pronunciation in the United States, obviously the Brits have their own way of saying it, <laughs> but it's Jaguars. Jaguars. Yes. So it's like a W-A-H-R-S at the end, like wars. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Because I say Jaguars. Jaguars, I say like W I R E S, Jaguars. And I know yeah. it's, pro- I know the a lot British of people, people say that. They say, they say Jaguars. Yeah. I, I, I've heard Jaguars and I can't get on board with that one. I'm lazy and say Jaguars. And uh, I yeah, had a feeling it wasn't right. I'm, uh, if, you know, unless you're easily offended, you might hear me say Jaguars in this podcast. I nah, sincerely apologize. Let me one bit. There's actually a, uh, the USA Today, jaguars um website is called the jaguar so like they're kind of playing on that anyways but yeah no i won't be offended over here as long as you don't call us the ben gals or something like that i won't be offended either so we'll be good that's funny (laughs) that's i I think that's our uh that's our cheerleading squad is the ben gals so okay yeah um but anyways i want to get into the bungles uh i prefer well oh man that's actually a really good question if i'm gonna be insulted (laughs) I think I'd rather be called the Bungles because I, I li- I've lived through the '90s and I've seen them bungle games, so I can I can I can usually say yes, we do bungle things. <laughs> it's relatable. <laughs> There's yes, it's very relatable. There's no denying it. Um, I want to touch on Trevor Lawrence a little bit because from the outside, non jaguar slash Bengals fans I, i've already seen people on social media complaining about the thursday night matchup what a terrible game Bengals and jags he wants to watch that which was surprising to me maybe because i'm a Bengals fan i obviously have bias but i'm like you've got joe burrow you've got trevor lawrence and although lawrence hasn't looked great there's still some intrigue there that they're matching up again after their college days 
I think last time they matched up, Burrow uh, torched the field, <laughs> both running and passing the ball, uh, defeating Trevor Lawrence. So no it's going to be, yeah, I, I saw that stat line today again, and I'd seen it before, but I didn't remember it. When I saw it pop up, it was like 400 yards passing. I think it was 80 yards rushing, five total touchdowns, something like that. So, man, yeah. he had he had a heck of a game in that one. So I'm excited about that matchup. Um, but Trevor Lawrence himself hasn't looked great three games into his career. Now, I think we yeah. we can all agree three games is a pretty small sample size for a rookie coming in with a rookie head coach as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and statistically, there's no question. I mean, there's been way too many turnovers. Um, the completion percentage has left a lot to be desired. Uh, over the first two weeks, he got that up in week three, certainly, but then he had the four turnovers. I would really only put one of those turnovers on him. And even that one was a pretty precarious situation with the flea flicker where you've got Andrew Norwell doing the whirly bird. JJ Watts just flying into the backfield. DJ Chark had burnt Buda Baker down the field, but there just wasn't enough time to get it to him. And instead of throwing the ball out of bounds, Trevor kind of just chucks it up to Byron Murphy there and he returns it for the pick six. But yeah, I think he's making good progress and I agree with you. Like why wouldn't you want to see Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence go head to head? It's a big rematch of that national championship game. Uh, it's a rematch or a big matchup between two of the top quarterbacks that have come in the NFL over the last couple of years and the Bengals two and one, obviously they're playing some pretty good football and the Jaguars, they're looking to get their first win of the Trevor Lawrence Urban Meyer experience. Yeah. And there's probably some less sexy storylines as well. Like the Urban Meyer Joe Burrow connection is cool. I wouldn't right. say it's like controversial or going to be driving headlines because Burrow obviously didn't shine at Ohio State. It was at LSU, but there's a connection there. You've got the Marvin Jones, uh, Cincinnati Bengals connection. He was beloved here in Cincinnati. Uh, mm -hmm. He was one of my favorite players when, when he was here, which was saying a lot because that was. AJ Green in his prime and, and things like that, but I loved Marvin Jones. So there are some other connections and storylines, but I think for the most part, the media, I wonder how many uh, flashbacks we'll see to that game during Thursday night of Lawrence and Burrow and their mid game handshake and whatever it was after, after the, the defeat in college. So uh, you mentioned Lawrence's turnovers and I had to go look it up because I thought, wow, he's had 10 turnovers in three games. That seems like a lot. Um, so, I, so or does he have nine? He's got nine so far, I guess. Seven picks and two fumbles lost. I went and looked up. Uh, he's got the third most turnovers among rookie quarterbacks in their first three games in the last 20 years. So like yeah. since 2002 or whatever. Alex Smith had 10 in his first three games, which was a little surprising because you think of him as like a safe game manager in his career. But apparently he was very turnover prone. And Keith Knoll. I've never heard of Keith Knoll. But apparently he was a quarterback uh, that had 10 turnovers in his first three games. That's probably why I haven't heard from him. Maybe didn't play much beyond that. Um, are these struggles that you're seeing Trevor Lawrence have with ball security? You mentioned some of them last week, not necessarily his fault. Are there things that you're seeing that are outages in his game or are they a little fluky? Are you concerned about it at this point of his career? I mean, I'm concerned about it for this week. I'm not concerned about it long term because this is a guy that he's not making the same mistakes twice. Um, again, last week you had Jacob Hollister dropping a pass. It j jumps right into the defender's hands. You have James Robinson, who's a great pass protector, great running back, 
knocking the ball out of Trevor Lawrence's hand when he's going back to throw the ball. So it was just some fluky things. And then um, week one, he had an interception where he just threw it right into the uh, cover two zone. He just, he shouldn't have done that. He knew, he knew that he had the check down available and he tried to go, uh, try to go for the longer play down the field when the Jaguars were down by quite a bit. So no, I'm not concerned long-term for him. I am concerned at the moment just because, like, week to week, he is still making mistakes. He's finding his way in this offense. He did improve greatly last week in terms of uh, knowing where to go with the ball, uh, knowing having the command of the offense that you would expect uh, for a guy as talented as him. And he is making these game-breaking plays every single week. They're not happening as often as you might like, but you're seeing it every week where he's able to uh, just elevate the team for a play or two where you're just like, damn, that's that's the number one pick right there. And sorry, this wasn't our show sheet, so I'm going a little off script here, but I am curious about Urban Meyer's first three games. So is excuse my ignorance. I haven't watched a Jaguars game this year. Sorry. Uh, no Urban Meyer, is he calling the plays for Jacksonville so far? No, Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, Bevel, he's calling all okay, the okay, offensive okay. plays. And then defensively, he was with Seattle before, is that correct, Bevel? He was with Seattle for a long time, and then the last two years he was the Lions, Lions um, okay. offensive coordinator working with Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones. That was part of the connection as well, getting Marvin Jones mm-hmm. to Jacksonville and also Jamal Agnew. Got it. Okay. I was, I was just curious because I'm an Ohio State fan, so I saw plenty of Urban Meyer uh in his tenure as a coach and he was calling those plays. So I was curious as to whether some of that play calling had bled over a little bit into the NFL. I know there was some speculation of how Travis Etienne was going to be used before he was injured. Is he going to be the Percy Harvin, the Curtis Samuel type of usage guy? Is that LaVisca Chanel? Like, is he the gadget guy? You know, I didn't know whether that had really translated much or whether you're not seeing many shades of urban Myers college play calling seeping into NFL. It's certainly more Daryl Bevel than Urban Meyer, but there's Urban Meyer there. You can see it. And if Travis Etienne was healthy, I think you'd see even more of that. Um, Etienne was going to be that that Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel role in this offense. They were going to use him in the slot and the backfield, you know, lined up as an H-back all over the place. That obviously isn't going to happen. Hopefully he can get healthy and be ready for 2022 you feel for a guy that's as talented and hardworking as he is. Uh, but they have used Visca in that role a little bit. They've moved him around. Uh, I don't think that was their initial plan to do that a ton. I think that was pretty much just going to be the Travis ETN show in that regard. But because ETN's not there, they still do want to kind of get that going to an extent. And LaVisca has been the recipient of some of those, uh, you know, non-traditional offensive plays. Yeah, and speaking of LaVisca and the wide receiver core there, Marvin Jones is currently leading the team in targets, receptions, and yards. I wouldn't say he was – now, I'm not in Jacksonville, so you please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he was the most talked about wide receiver this offseason as this guy's going to come in and be the one. There's a lot of excitement around this could be Visca's breakout year. He flashed a lot last year. Is DJ Shark going to get back to his, what, 2019 2019- – Was that 2019 where he had the real blow up year? Is he going to get back into recapturing that magic? Do you think Marvin Jones's success three games into the season is a blip or is he really quote unquote, the star on this offense? Is he the guy that 
is making things go because it looks like you know statistically he's leading the receivers in all these areas but you wouldn't think that that's your your stud out there well they brought him here for a reason and uh they've been very complimentary of him since the day he arrived he is the leader in the room in terms of being the veteran uh he knows how to get open he knows how to make contested catches i do believe he He's not the X receiver, right, for the Jaguars, like the traditional number one receiver, but he is Trevor Lawrence's number one target. When Trevor needs to get a pass completed, Marvin's the guy. Now, does he like DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault quite a bit as well? Yes, yeah, certainly. And I think any one of those three could be the uh, the primary target for Trevor Lawrence week to week. But currently, the most reliable, the most consistent the guy that Trevor Lawrence is looking to when 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 it's on the line, it's Marvin Jones, and he's been coming up clutch for him. And I want to talk about the the offensive line a little bit too, because a strength of the Bengals so far, three games into the season, has undeniably been the defense, and the defense as a whole has been pretty good. There have been some questions on the outside. Uh, cornerback with Eli Apple I feel bad I bash him every episode it's not really on purpose it's just right now on a defense that looks so good he is really our one weakness so far but really the front seven there have been pretty good through the first three games and so is the offensive line a weak spot are we looking at an area where we've got the strength of the Bengals versus the weakness of the Jaguars because we kind of saw that last week in Pittsburgh right the Offensive line is terrible for Pittsburgh, not to mention Big Ben is uh, washed, but the offensive line is terrible. And we were consistently able to get pressure on him, only bringing three or four guys. Right. And Trevor Lawrence has struggled a little bit if you look at his numbers against pressure. Granted, typically quarterbacks have a lesser completion percentage and things like that when they're under pressure, but he's completing about 42% of his passes. Uh, four of his seven interceptions have come against pressure. Is there an offensive line problem? Is some of that just Trevor Lawrence holding onto the ball a little too long? What are you seeing in that regard? No, I don't think there's an OL problem at all right now. I'm not a huge fan of all the pieces of the O-line or how the Jaguars seemingly just went with the status quo from 2020 to 21 with you know the same five starters there. However, they have played well, very well, considering the fact that they went up against Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb one week, and last week they go up against a um, Chandler Jones, who might be the best pass rusher in football right now, and J.J. Watt, very talented front for the Cardinals. They're not giving up a ton of sacks. I mean, they're playing very well. Uh, the pressure is there; it's there sometimes, but you know, every offensive line is going to allow some pressure. I do not think it's a weakness at all, and. In the running game, I think it's a strength. You've seen James Robinson. He's averaging 5.2 yards per carry. Carlos Hyde's doing well um, in that department as well as the kind of, uh, you know, every couple drives you get Carlos Hyde in there to spell James Robinson. But, no, I wouldn't say the offensive line is a weakness at this point. I do think there can be some inconsistencies. I think game to game there could be a guy who might struggle a bit. But overall – they have not been the problem on the offense outside of the penalties they've had. And it's been kind of an epidemic around the league. Uh, there's just been a ridiculous amount of offensive line penalties called throughout the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. It makes for a really fun product when there's flags flying all over the field, especially oh. the taunting ones. Those are my absolute favorite to see 
really got to keep those guys uh, in line. You know, you don't want them to get too excited uh, out on the gridiron. Now, moving to the defensive side of the ball, I don't really know where to start with the Jacksonville defense. So statistically, surrendering the fourth most total yards per game, you just lost C.J. Anderson, which you mentioned, which I don't know whether that was a surprise to people in Jacksonville. As somebody that doesn't keep up with the Jags regularly, that's surprising to me to see a former top 10 pick from, what, a year ago uh, be shipped off. Is this defense somehow going to be worse than what we've seen in the first three games, which hasn't been great? Or is the Henderson loss a little overblown? It is overblown from a perspective of what he's contributing right now. He didn't play last week, and they had their best defensive performance of the season against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I know you look at 31 points, you're like, oh, the Cardinals did their thing, but the Cardinals only scored 24 points on offense. Uh, They had the pick six against the Jaguars offense. So the Jags defense got it done last week without, without a question in my head. They played very well. Now, would they be better if they did have C.J. Henderson? Yeah, probably, but he's a guy that's been inconsistent throughout his young career. In the 10 games he's played, he's probably had two standout performances and eight ones that you'd probably rather forget about. Uh, but Tyson Campbell's going to be starting on the outside. They're getting Trey Herndon back in the slot. You've also got Shaq Griffin, who's the number one corner out there. So from a pass perspective, pass defense perspective, yeah, I mean – Tyrod Taylor torched them, and him on the 50-50 balls in week one, he was just perfect. Brandon Cooks was crushing it. Week two, they couldn't cover Cortland Sutton, um, but they still held the Broncos to 23 points in that one. So you look at the last two weeks, defensively, they have not been allowing anything on the ground. They're just behind the Bengals in terms of run defense with the 3.4 yards per carry allowed. And I think that they're settling in a bit on the back end. I'm still not in love with Tyson Campbell being your starting cornerback three games into his NFL career as a guy who struggles to make plays on the ball down the field. But overall, the defense is moving in the right direction. Well, that's interesting. You mentioned the rush defense being strong. I, again, looking at statistics, not watching the game and sometimes stats lie, they're not bad giving up yards on the ground but they have given up the for the fifth most passing yards right is that a is that a extension of them being a defense that funnels everything when you look at like tampa bay they are so stout against the run that the other team is going to throw it 50 times a game against them is this one of those instances where the defense is stout and so the other team's throwing the ball or they very porous uh in the past defense and that's why the other team's attacking them there is it kind of like chicken or egg sort of thing I think week one, it was definitely just the pass defense was clueless. And it's one of those things where you've got a bunch of new starters, a new defensive coordinator. He's a guy that had never called a game in the NFL before in Joe Cullen. He's a brand new defensive coordinator from the Ravens. He has that attacking style defense that you expect from Baltimore, from the uh, Martindale uh, tree there, if you will. He wants to blitz. He wants to play man coverage. Uh, and it, they struggled in week one to do that. And they struggled a bit in week two with that. But last week, like I said, against the Cardinals, who one of the most dangerous offenses in football, they were able to get the job done. And so I think the pass defense is improving. I don't think that you can look at Tyson Campbell or Trey Herndon as strengths. Um, and they're still starting Andrew Wingard, who's a guy I didn't have making the team at safety. Um, 
he's playing better than anybody expected. He picked off Kyler Murray last week. He's making some key plays, but I still don't think that you can look at the pass defense as a strength. Now, the pass rush is getting the job done with the pressures. Um, they didn't really try to heat up Kyler Murray too much last week because if you blitz Kyler Murray, he's just going to beat you with his legs. Absolutely. Yep. They kind of just uh, gave him uh, a lot of shallow stuff, and they were content to do that. So it was good to see Joe Cullen kind of adjust his scheme to who he was playing against. I wasn't sure that they would do that, but they did. Um, I think they're moving in the right direction. I don't think they're a great defense right now. I don't think they're a good defense right now. But they can stop the run, and they did a good job getting off the field on third down last week. They uh, only allowed one third down conversion by the Cardinals. Uh, one of nine were the Cardinals last week on third down conversions. So wow. moving in the right direction, but still a lot of questions. And you mentioned the pick of Kyler Murray last week. I believe that's their only turnover they've gotten so far in three games. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned pressures. It hasn't necessarily yielded a ton of sacks so far. Right. It looks four sacks or whatever in three games, which is a pretty low number. Right. But you're saying the defensive line is still generating pressure because when I'm looking at an opposing team, that's usually one of my my first questions when it comes to us being on offense is, is this other team going to destroy our offensive line? And we're hoping our line is improving and gelling. There haven't been as many free runners. Uh, at least there weren't last week as there had been the first couple of weeks. This defensive line, is it one that should be worrying Bengals fans as one that's going to be harassing Joe Burrow all game? Yeah, I think they should be worried considering the five sacks each of the first two weeks, a lot of pressures those first two weeks. The Steelers were down, you know, they were down TJ Watt, Stephon it, Alex Highsmith. Hey, we still won. Okay, don't take it away from us. <laughs> I'm not at all. And I was impressed. I watched that. I've, you know, broke down that whole game. I, I liked what the Bengals did. But again, the Steelers, that on the defensive front, they were just uh, non-existent pretty much in that contest. I don't think that the Jaguars are the Bears up front. So, you know, that's a good thing, obviously. I don't know that they're as good as the Vikings up front. But they're certainly better than what you faced last week. And I do think that Josh Allen is a guy that's playing very well. Dewan Smoot, Jihad Ward, those are two guys that are kind of under the radar, but they're getting a lot of pressure as well. Um, Joe Burrow is probably the least mobile quarterback the Jaguars have faced this year. And I know he got some of his mobility back. He looked pretty good running around against the Steelers. But, you know, when you've gone against Tyrod Taylor, Kyler Murray, and Teddy Bridgewater, which Bridgewater's not the most mobile quarterback, he's probably on the same level as a Joe Burrow in terms of mobility right now at this point in their careers. But, yeah, I think the Jaguars are going to try to heat up Joe Burrow. I would be a little bit concerned about that if I was a Bengals fan. Yeah, it stings me a little bit to to hear Teddy and, and Joe on the same level there as far as mobility, but I get it. I think as Bengals fans, we're hopeful that one last week's offensive line performance can be built upon because, you know, and maybe it can. Yeah, right. yeah. And it, we don't know. And like you mentioned, you can't you you don't necessarily want to put an asterisk next to any performance. But hey, we gave up zero sacks, but they also were without TJ Watt. And it's not just TJ Watt himself getting sacks it's what he opens up for everyone else like cam hayward and those guys so kind of with a grain of salt but it's something to hopefully build on And the other thing Bengals fans saw last week was joe burrow eluding pressure stepping up in the pocket moving a lot more than he had in the first two games called a quarterback draw which uh shocked me but mm-hmm. even in his post-game presser burrow was saying that that was a big deal for him to be able to do that because you know he didn't know in this offseason is that something i'm going to be able to do or not so it seemed like a mental hurdle that he cleared 
I'm hopeful that that's one thing that, you know, we see improvement on as the season goes along. But I think you're right that right now he is not the mobile quarterback that we saw last year before the injury. Um, I want to get a score prediction out of you. But before we do that, I typically do a small segment on the fantasy football starts of the week for each team. Now, I look at Jacksonville's team and I struggle because I don't know that you're plugging any of those guys into your lineup necessarily. James Robinson had the great game last week, but the Bengals run defense is so stout. Marvin Jones has been the number one target and maybe he's the guy you throw in there and hope for uh, you know a big play from. Is there somebody you would feel confident plugging into your fantasy football lineup from the Jacksonville side? I mean, it's got to be James Robinson. I know the Bengals have not given up much much on the ground at all. But, uh, yeah, Marvin Jones has been good through three weeks fantasy-wise. He hasn't been spectacular. LaVisca and DJ have been way too hit or miss. Um, and James Robinson, I think they're just starting to scratch the surface of what they're going to do with him. It'll that's That's one of the matchups there that I think is going to be so interesting in this game. James Robinson and the Jaguars uh, offensive line versus the Bengals defensive front and vice versa. Joe Mixon and the Bengals offensive line versus Jaguars defensive front. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. But if I had to pick one guy, yeah, it's going to be James Robinson. And from the Bengals side, as you are preparing for Cincinnati and you root for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Who's the player that's scaring you the most as you look forward to the Thursday matchup? There are a lot of weapons. It looks like they may or may not have T. Higgins, but that still leaves plenty to pick from. Yeah, even if T. Higgins is in the game, it's Jamar Chase. This guy's eating up single coverage. The Jaguars like to play man coverage. I don't know if they're going to adjust that at all. Shaq Griffin was following around DeAndre Hopkins last week. He did a pretty damn good job of it, but... As much as I love DeAndre Hopkins, he's not quite the athlete of a Jamar Chase, especially at the different points of their careers right now. So, yeah, for me, it'd definitely be Jamar Chase. Um, now, the way games have gone so far for the Jaguars, uh, a lot of running backs have racked up some numbers against them based on volume just because the teams have been running the ball in the second half with the leads. Uh, but, yeah, I would go with Jamar Chase. Yeah, that's interesting because, again, I don't think you need me to say it again, but I want to admit my ignorance in this area. I don't follow Jacksonville regularly. All I know is that I believe that was last year where Mixon had a big blow-up game against Jacksonville. I'm guessing the changes along the defensive line, there have been enough from the last year that you would say this line is definitely improved or the unit as a whole is a run defensive unit is much improved because if someone's just looking at last year and saying, well, that was Mixon's best game of the year against Jackson and we get him a year later, not necessarily in apples to apples comparison, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't think Mixon will have his best game of the season this week. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he still is able to, you know, average over four yards a carry and be pretty effective for them just because he's that talented. But uh, yeah, you added Damian Wilson at middle linebacker. He's not going to cover anybody, but he's replacing Joe Schobert, and he is a thumper compared to Joe Schobert. Miles Jack is a thumper, and you added Malcolm Brown in the middle. You added Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, Devon Hamilton's back from injury. He wasn't in that game last year. Uh, actually, he was in that game. He was he was available in that week. But still, there's a lot more talent on that defensive front than there was last year. I'm not saying they're going to completely shut Mixon down. Like I said, I think he could be over four yards of carry in this one. Uh, but uh, they're not going to be allowing the type of game that they did last year. 
And earlier you did mention, I'm circling back on, you mentioned Josh Allen in the defense. That would be University of Kentucky's Josh Allen. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I have, I have a, uh, an old friend of mine, a faithful listener to the podcast, uh, a UK alum loves UK football. So I just wanted to make sure I was giving due diligence to the one relevant NFL player who came from the University of Kentucky and Josh Allen. (laughs) <laughs> Gotta get the best kind of in there. Well, it is what it is. Uh, anyways, what is your score prediction for this week? I will say before I give mine, I was feeling like this could be the offensive breakout week. And now as you're talking about the defense a little bit more, I'm maybe pumping the brakes on that a little bit. Do you think this is a game where the Bengals have to worry about a letdown? Jacksonville might catch him sleeping. Or do you think Cincinnati is going to come out of this game victorious? Yeah, it could go a lot of different ways, right? Thursday night football is always really weird. Urban Myers never had to go Sunday, Thursday. Trevor Lawrence has never had to go Sunday, Thursday. This is a very new team with all the new moving parts. Rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, a lot of new players. So, yeah, it's possible that maybe the Bengals could just kind of catch the Jaguars sleepwalking because they're just not ready to play a game four days after uh, they played against the Cardinals. But if the Jaguars, you know, aren't just out there sleepwalking, I do think they'll give the Bengals a run for their money here. And it really depends on the injury front. If if you've got Eli Apple starting because Jadobia Wuzier can't play or uh, Trey Waynes isn't quite ready to get back in there, uh, if you've so got... You can't, Ryan- you can't say get back in there because he's never been out there for us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're at like 18, go. 19 games and counting where he has not suited up for us. And I have I've had to correct myself because I keep saying when Wayne's returns and I'm like, he can't return because he's never been there. So maybe yeah. his debut, his debut. The point remains. But yeah, if Eli Apple's starting, if Jesse Bates can't go, I mean, you've got two offensive linemen that are questionable at this point with Reef and uh Tua Filo. Obviously, people like what Carmen did last week. Can't blame them for that. Uh, he won't be going up against the same caliber of players this week as he did last week if he does end up starting. But anyways, if those injuries end up having a big impact, I do think the Jaguars could really make this a game. Because I think Jesse Bates is just the type of guy that's going to get a pick off a rookie quarterback, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been solid this year, but he hasn't. I uh, Of my recollection, of recollection from the first three games, he hasn't really had one of those wow plays he was kind of involved in the dalvin cook fumble um but it was really jermaine pratt that ripped it out bates was just kind of there yeah so uh i i have cincinnati 27 to 13 i feel like the defense uh is playing so well again if a woozier and waynes and bates are out maybe that would change a little bit but i'm thinking that there's a lot going on in Cincinnati this week. If you're not aware, they're doing like their first ring of honor thing at halftime. It's been a long time uh, coming. So I'm hoping that that is enough to prevent the Bengals themselves from, uh, you know, kind of like you were saying, sleepwalking into this game, coming off an emotional high win against the Steelers. I'm going 27, 13 Cincinnati. I don't feel as great about it as I did before I talked to you. What's (laughs) what's your score prediction? What do you got? What do you got? So if the Bengals have Awuzier, Wayne, Bates, I'm taking Bengals, uh, 30 to 24. No Bates 
Or I mean, really, I think as as crucial as Bates is, I think getting a Wouzier out there is even more important, just because you do not want Eli Apple starting. If he starts, I mean, you're gonna just target the crap out of him, try to get some pass interferences deep down the field. I think it could be rough for the Bengals in that situation. And I like what the Bengals are doing. I also have to acknowledge that they lost to the Bears, who I think are going to be one of the worst teams in football this year. And they handily beat the Steelers, but the Steelers were pretty much sleepwalking in that game themselves. So I'm not quite on the train of, you know, Bengals are going to make the playoffs this year. I do think they're much improved. I do like what they're doing. I love Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, what the offense is doing. I like Jesse Bates in the defensive front a lot, uh, but I'm not completely sold on them. So long story short, if there's no Chidobi Awuzie, I'm taking the Jaguars and I'll take it 27-24. But if Awuzie is good to go, uh, then I will, as long as Eli Apple is not starting, then I'm taking the Bengals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Eli Apple because, like I said, I've been hating on him a lot. It's yeah. weird because he's obviously struggling, yet for whatever reason, the, the teams we're going up against don't seem to be targeting him as much as I would expect a team to just mercilessly. No mercy? Mercilessly. I was like, Jaguars? 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 Uh, attack him. And I think last week, actually, target-wise, he did have a lot of targets thrown at him but it was big ben so a lot of those are in front of him but i mean he got torched by james washington down the sideline and ben missed him those are the plays that i think and i mentioned it on last week's episode the longer you're relying on eli apple you're playing with fire because at some point there's going to be a team that actually makes us pay for that so you're right it's kind of a weird again it's a short week we're recording this on a Tuesday, the game's less than 48 hours away, but we don't know some of the status of these key players. So could swing a lot of different ways. Uh, thank you again for your time. Can you tell everybody out there where they can find your work out on the uh, internet? Yeah, you can follow me at Jordan DeLugo. I share everything. And then at Generation Jag and then GenJag.com. I'm, not, I'm also a draft writer as well, but I'm not too focused on the draft right now. But I will be getting more hot and heavy into the draft later in the season as the end of the regular season and playoffs approach. Uh, I write over at Blue Chip Scout, so you can check out all the work that they're doing over there as well. You know, I'm a uh, fantasy football player, and I love the NFL draft and the rookie drafts that you do for uh, Dynasty Leagues and stuff. So I get pretty – I'm not a I'm not a talent evaluator by any means necessarily, but I really enjoy draft season as well. So I shot you a follow out there, and I'm very excited to see what type of stuff – uh you're putting out there around that time of year as well again thank you for your time this was a short notice like literally two hours before recording uh, i asked you and you agreed to come on so thank you so much for that time for the uh the knowledge of jacksonville because i came into this knowing nothing and i feel like i've learned a lot (laughs) yeah i feel like i've learned quite a bit too about the Bengals. so it's been uh, mutually beneficial had a great time chatting with you and appreciate you reaching out awesome thanks man have a good one you too I told Jordan I I love having these conversations and I've probably said it before because you learn about the other team and I have watched zero Jaguars games. I haven't even seen a, a Jacksonville highlight this year. I don't I don't have cable. I don't watch ESPN. So uh, I haven't seen a highlight from Jacksonville even. So I don't know anything about them other than what I see in the box score and getting some of these conversations that we're having where we're able to learn a little bit more that how the numbers don't tell the whole story. 
what the team's done well, what they haven't done well. I find them to be very interesting. Hopefully you do as well. So again, thank you to Jordan for jumping on. This was, again, extremely late notice. It was something I thought about uh, yesterday and then was like, eh, it's kind of kind of late to be asking somebody to jump on the pod. I'll just do, I'll just go solo here and run through some numbers and try to pre- prep us for Jacksonville. And I decided last second, you know, I'm going to ask Jordan, see if he's available. If he's not, that's okay. He was graciously enough to gracious enough to join me after recording his other podcast as well. So he went back to back. Appreciate you uh, for doing that. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Hopefully next time we talk, we are sitting at three and one. I was looking up some, some stats for the Bengals. They have since uh, 1990, they have started three and one six times. Their best finish after a three and one start was 10, five and one back in 2014 their worst finish after starting three and one was six and 10 back in 2018. Went back and looked at those games. That was a weird, we actually started four and one that season. I think we knocked off Indy, Atlanta, Miami. And I can't remember the fourth team we beat uh, either way. So we started four and one and then finished, but two and nine down the stretch in 2018. So uh, weird year there, but the other times we've started three and one, we've made the playoffs four times. So that's uh, encouraging. Actually, have a playoff win back in 1990, but started that season three and one, finished nine and seven, won a playoff game, lost in the division round. A three and one start would be major for the Bengals for a number of reasons. I, I talked before about the gauntlet coming down the stretch here, and it'd be nice to stack up some wins here early on. This is one of the teams you should beat. You are better than them. So again, hopefully next time we talk, we're sitting at three and one. We're excited. We have a long break kind of, to prep for Green Bay and hopefully have a a great show lined up for you preparing for the Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. We have seen some great, steady, consistent growth in our listenership, and that is all thanks to you, obviously, the listener. So thank you again, and until next time, hootay.